Oh, it's cool. I'm usually up. I used to open for a coffee shop every day for seven years. <laughs> Your brain gets wired to things you don't need anymore. I still like carrying around my cell phone, too. One of these days, it's gonna ring and freak my ass out. Hey, um, if you happen to bag a boar out there, can I have a leg? To make a prosciutto. I used to cure meats in my basement even before all this. Oh, I made some kick-ass pickles, too. Sure, Olivia. Thanks. This week on the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 13, Forget. Written by Corey Reed and directed by David Boyd. We'll be right back after this. Back to the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kalzik, TV editor of SoundOnSight.org, and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host, general editor, general editor, editor-in-chief, all of that good stuff, Mr. Ricky D. Ricky, how's it going? Hey, Kate. I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing pretty well, though I got to say, it's. I think it's going to be another fun conversation, but it's a little, uh, we're a little bummed because it's another uh, guestless week, as it were, uh, or, or hostful in the words of the Nerdist podcast. Um, we're... Because of when we work, it becomes challenging to schedule guests on this podcast because, Ricky, you have a normal person job, and I work only at nights. So finding times to record that actual other people can join us is proving challenging. Yeah, we're recording at 11 p.m. on a weekday, and um, is it Monday or is it Tuesday? That says where we're at. (laughs) Not too many people can record at 11 p.m. on a Monday night. But fortunately, I think there's a lot to talk about with this episode. There's a lot of stuff that we'll enjoy digging in with, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so we we like having a, a fresh perspective on the show every week when it's possible. We're going to see what we can do to try to make the next few uh, weeks work with guests. But uh, I think, you know, I think it'll be fun nonetheless. Right, Ricky? Make the best of it. I think it's more important we get a guest for the last two episodes. So I'm okay with losing a guest for episode 12, I think, Ron? 13. Okay. You know, so as long as we get a guest for those last two episodes, because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. This is not the most eventful episode anyways. It's not like there are massive changes, but it, that's sort of uh, sort of nice following up from the previous episode. Oh, before I forget, though, of course, like we always say at the start of the podcast, there will be no spoilers for The Walking Dead. This podcast episode is just going to look at episode 13 of season five, Forget, uh, written by Corey Reed, directed by David Boyd. Um, there, I have not read the comics. Ricky has, but we're going to keep any comics talk to things that have already happened on the show or have already been directly, conf- you know, c- uh, conflicting with what's been on the show so no no fear for spoilers let's dive right in um yeah this is this is a a there's there's some certainly some memorable scenes but this is much more a kind of um i would say it's a catch your breath episode except that i don't even think it's that i think it's just sort of a the show uh or or the 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 characters are just sort of they're in the holding pattern they're kind of they're not sure if they can believe what's going on. So it's sort of like the show is, you know, psyching them out. You know, can they handle 
a week where the most dramatic thing that happens, um, well, besides Carol terrifying children, is uh, Rick kissing someone's cheek. Yeah, I don't know. You see, I think this is an amazing episode once again. Like, I really do, because I think you have an episode here in which Rick and company finally have a chance to sit back, you know, rest, not have to, like, wander through the woods or fight off walkers. They they have a shower, electricity, water, food. They get invited to a party. And I think now that they found themselves settled into this, like, community, like, the psychological damage really hits them and becomes clear to not only maybe not necessarily clear to them because they're not aware of it, but at least for us as viewers, you know, you take Sasha, she's a prime example. I mean, she's totally messed up. You know, she lost Tyrese, she lost Bob, and she really hasn't had much time to really sit back and think about it. I mean, as soon as Tyrese died, they were right back on the road. I mean, it applies to anything in life. I'm sure you or and I and any one of our listeners has been through a situation in which we uh, maybe not necessarily as traumatic as like having someone eaten by a walker, but you know, something happens in your life and it doesn't really hit you. So you actually sit down and have time to breathe and think. And, you know, if you're constantly working or keeping busy, it's sort of a way to um, distract you. Right. And so I think this is why this is such a good episode because we see the psychological effect their journey has had on Sasha, on Rick Grimes, on Carol. But then we also see characters like Michonne, who actually is okay with putting her katana on the wall. Like She's okay with having some kind of hope, keeping positive, thinking that there's actually hope in staying at, at Alexandria and, and, and assuming the best of these strangers who she's... Who, who, She's just met for the very first time. And then, you know, we get the nice bonding between uh, Aaron and, and Daryl. And I think there's a lot to talk about in this episode. I think it's a really good episode. Well, and I don't, I agree. I don't think it's, uh, I guess to be, to clarify, there's not a lot of event in this episode, but it's still a really uh, fun episode. I really enjoyed my time with it. And yeah, it's, it's, again, we saw a bit of this in the previous episode. I really liked the previous episode's use of silence as a unsettling and disturbing sort of force for, for Rick when he's lying in bed and it's quiet and he just can't, he, that he can't handle that uh, yet. Um, I, I, I like that being continued over here and seeing Sasha more explored. It's just like you said, she hasn't had time to process and she doesn't want it either. That's why she goes looking for for walkers that's why yeah. that's why you know we had rick and carl last week you know having some father-son walker killing bonding um so so i think this is the way that they can tell a completely new story uh finally we've talked about this idea of the show being so easy it, it being so easy for the show to fall into a rut of location seems nice goes to hell rent wash rinse repeat um whatever um and, and by not having that happen, by having them go somewhere, and it's just cool. It's fine. There's there's no problem. For a few weeks, at least, you know, they're they're teasing this W-carved thing. But for a few weeks, it's just, it just seems like it's just going to kind of be quiet, and then they actually have to sit with themselves in a way they haven't had to in a very long time. Yeah, and I mean, you have Daryl, who continues to try and play Lone Wolf. But clearly, he doesn't necessarily want to be alone. I mean, he doesn't really fight or argue with Aaron when Aaron decides that he wants to tag along. And sure, he's a little caught off guard when he hears Aaron, like, 
walking around in the woods and he's, I guess he assumes he's spying on him. Maybe he was, I'm not really entirely sure. And, but you know, he didn't really doubt him. Like, I think it's like he says, Daryl's a kind of person who has sort of like that sixth sense or he's a, he's good at judging people. Like he knows a good person from a bad person. And that's the thing about Daryl. He didn't really fight off the thought or the idea or notion of, Aaron tagging along with him while they go hunting and you have that beautiful moment or moments in which they try to save this horse and it's just amazing how like it hits me harder when it's an animal that dies on screen and it could be like the dogs a few episodes back and we saw the horse way back in season one that got eaten by the walkers and once again you know you get this like horse who they try so hard to rescue and it's like Aaron says usually he runs but this one time he didn't run and it's too late. And I just, I just thought that was like really heartbreaking. And the fact that he actually, the fact that they actually went to still kill the walkers to put the horse out of its misery. Um, it was just a really nice touch on the part of the writers. And it's one of those things that wasn't necessary, you know, to keep the plot moving forward. It really doesn't impact the rest of the crew or the season overall, but it's just one of those little moments that they insert into an episode that brings two characters closer to each other and also gives us this moment in which we can reflect on how horrible this world is because for some reason i think that it's easier when you see an innocent creature getting torn apart by a bunch of walkers as opposed to say a person who we've seen do bad things on the show and or just be annoying yeah well and it's also just numbers we've seen a lot of people get eaten by walkers and get torn apart and we've seen very variations on that since the show started we rarely see animals at all on this show uh, let alone animals that are presented in a beautiful light or in a positive way so we had the dogs recently which was that's been a rarity as well but that they were an antagonistic force here there's it's just like this is like straight out of i don't know, black beauty or something the way that the horse is shot and everything it's it's absolutely um, lovely. And then to see that get taken away and just the, again, this, this notion of how did this horse, this beautiful horse survive and remain untouched by all of this just destruction around it and, and the, the walkers and all of the, the decay of society. Somehow this horse is unscathed. And that's such a rare and beautiful thing because no person could possibly be unscathed. And then to have that be that horse be, you know, defiled and, and taken away. It, it's just very powerful. I don't know, but I kind of feel like at the same time, if I was Daryl, I'd be even more bummed out thinking that that horse survived this entire time up until Rick, him and the rest of the crew showed up. It's like they are a curse. You know what I mean? Like, like say what you will about the governor and the cannibals, but they had their thing going on. You know, they were pretty happy in their community, as messed up as it was. And as soon as are you seriously <laughs> saying that, like the cannibals? Hey, it was all good, and then Rick had to go show up. Well, I mean, for the cannibals, yeah, <laughs> well, of course, community, and for the governor and the people. I mean, people at Woodbury are walking around blind, but I mean, most of them were as happy as they could be, happier than you know when they left Woodbury and died like an episode later, because I think the bus crashed. I can't remember mm -hmm. what happened, <laughs> but it was really cool to see uh, Daryl and, uh, and Aaron sort of like, um, you know, bond. And, and I'm sorry, I'm so sick and tired of all these rumors and, or um, uh, I mean, it's not even rumors, just people just 
thinking or uh, like the, the, the theory is that Daryl's gay, even though Robert Kirkman's clearly stated on the talking dead that he's not gay. Who the fuck cares? Does it really matter people? Like, and so once again, this episode sparks up that debate online where people are like, Oh my God, maybe they're trying to start a romance between Aaron and Daryl. No, they're just two people who are bonding in a time of need. And that's fine. The ship shippers are everywhere. It is a, is a strong drive in the TV uh, fan community and I understand I, I understand it you know there's some people who just they want Daryl to be happy they want him to find somebody but clearly Aaron's already taken so even if Daryl is uh, interested in men to some extent uh, Aaron's already spoken for you know come on guys that's that's at least what I would say with that though we do not know the stat this the it, whether it's an exclusive relationship so I guess I shouldn't presume upon Aaron's uh, relationship however what I will say is um I think another important thing with those scenes with Aaron is that there's at least clearly there's at least one person in an Alexandria who is not incompetent, uh, you know, who, who can handle himself with walkers and can hunt and can track. I think, you know, the, there are potentially a, a handful of others. We just haven't met them. The only person we've met is uh, is Deanna's useless um you know, seemingly roided up kind of that type of character, her son. But Aaron is clearly very capable. And so that implies that maybe there are some other people who are as well, which would make Alexandria feel more believable. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, the thing about Aaron is, like he says in the episode, he, like Daryl, uh, feels like an outsider. Like, he doesn't really feel like the the entire community has really accepted him, maybe because he's gay, maybe because of something else, who knows. But he clearly states that he's like an outsider, like Daryl is. And I think he says something on the lines of, they're scared of you and me, but for different reasons. But they're less scared of, scared of me because at least they have now gotten to know me you know, over the years or I don't know how long it's been since he's been at, at uh, Alexandria. And so he tells Daryl, like, you should give them a chance, let them get to know you so they won't fear you. And so that was a really interesting exchange. But I think because he clearly started out as an outsider, he was the guy who would go outside the walls and look, you know, be a recruiter and look for new people to join the community. And so I think it was a matter of maybe not necessarily him being forced, like maybe that was the task or job assigned to him by Deanna uh, maybe he chose it. Maybe it's a bit of both. But I think because of who he is and because maybe he's gay, et cetera, et cetera, like, you know, he was – and like like Daryl. Like Daryl just doesn't know how to fit in and or people don't know how to interact with him. So it makes sense that he's going to also be a recruiter. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, Daryl says, oh, so you value like Eric's life clearly more than my life because like you love this dude. So you don't care if I die or not. And he's really honest about it. He's like, yeah, it's true. But at the same time, you can handle yourself. You can survive outside of the walls. And you know a good person from a bad person. So even though he admits that, yeah, he doesn't want his boyfriend or husband, I don't know what, what status is, um, out there, outside of the walls, he still provides three very good reasons as to why he wants Daryl outside with him. And that's the thing. Like That honesty was missing from like clearly – Terminus, <laughs> but also Woodbury and just about everywhere they went, like even like Herschel's farm, you know, there was always people hiding secrets, whereas at least here at Alexandria, even Deanna, like people just seem very open about what their their stance is and who they are and what they believe in. And, you know, even Deanna, when she when she talks to Sasha, Sasha's like, I want to be up on the tower keeping watch. And she's like, no. She's like, no, you're not. I'm going to make my son go up on the tower. He's going to be first watch. If you come to the party tonight, th then we can talk. But like 
you know, she, she puts her foot down and she's not afraid to kind of be honest. And that's the difference. Like, that's the thing. We talked about this last week and you didn't think it, it, it was really an interesting angle, whereas I thought it would be. And I think we're clearly going to get that based on this episode, because in this episode, it seems like, and I think this is proven by the actions of Carol and Rick, it seems like a good chunk of our survivors are going to become, in some ways, like the bad guys, the villains, the antagonists, like the people like the governor. I mean, can we start talking about Rick Grimes? I mean, how does the episode end? It, 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 it's like so screwed up how, you know, he goes to the party. Of course, at first, he's he's a little like paranoid. He doesn't want to take a drink right away. And then finally, he lets himself go. And then he has that awkward kiss with Jesse, where he kisses her on the cheek, but her husband's like in the same room. And clearly, it's a kiss in which he's interested in Jesse, but he doesn't care if her husband's in the room and or not. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, and then like in the previous episode, he's like, you know, if it's not going to work, we're just going to take the community away from them. And in this episode, it's like he's just willing to take away this woman away from her husband. <laughs> and then the episode ends. So he's walking alone late at night and he sees Jesse and Jesse's with her husband. And, and, you know, they wave and he's got his little stamp. I think it's like an A that they stamped him with. And he looks at a stamp and it was so weird because he like reaches for the gun. Of course, the gun that he, uh, Carol stole for him, you know, one of the many guns that she stole for 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 rick and daryl herself and like he goes to grab his gun which i thought was really weird i'm like whoa okay and then he goes up to the wall and there's a walker on the other side of the wall and i thought that was like a really amazing interesting way probably one of the best endings for any episode i think in quite quite some time because you get that awesome like pop music playing in the background and then you know beyond the wall there's the walker and then you have rick grimes on the other side and i think he kind of maybe like that's a sign that he is willing to accept this as his home and he's actually kind of happy to be behind the walls knowing that the walker is on the other side of the wall but it was just it was really interesting the way the end of this episode it leaves a lot of questions well i think that um yeah he can feel he likes having that power of knowing that he's got that gun and uh if there's an issue he's just gonna shoot Jesse's husband um and yeah that that is a darker side but I agree for me that him up against that wall is him happy to be there and embracing the idea of of the wall and actually feeling safe in a way that he hasn't at least let himself at least that's what I saw and maybe I'm wrong who knows but that's what I was seeing in that moment well, yeah, uh, but it's not just the gun. It's it's the uniform, right? It's the fact mm -hmm. that he is walking around like the sheriff. Yeah, there's that too. See, I think he's starting to open himself up to the potential of a new home. Like, he's willing to accept Alexandria as his new home. But, you know, this is Rick Grimes, and that means he's going to be in charge. And if he's not in charge, he's going to take charge, which means Deanna is no longer going to be in charge of him. You know, that's what I think. Like, like the way this episode ends it kind of makes me think that rick is is headed in a direction like the governor like i really think he's becoming like i mean we've talked about him becoming a darker character and then swinging out of it and once again psychologically he becomes more messed up and he starts becoming darker and then he gets out of it and i think they're going back on route of him becoming a darker character but i think he's gonna stay that way and because he's really hardened in the comic book right he's like he's not as soft as he is in the tv show and so I think I think that the the, the show the showrunners 
have have to make a decision. It's like, what kind of Rick Grimes are we going to have from now on? Because you can't go back and forth like every single Lake season. You know, which one is it? Make up your mind. Yeah. Well, that would be to, to have them decide and stick with a a version of Rick would be nice. Um, I I I'm not very interested in Rick keep continuing to get dark and uh, who's really the bad. I mean. That just sounds tiresome to me, but I've seen that storyline on a lot of other shows. And so that's really why, you know, like, I'm sure they could do a good job with that here at The Walking Dead if they wanted to. Um, I do like this notion that they've set up Alexandria to be, it's a good place. And here's how Rick and his group are going to screw it up for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that that is, um, it is this idea that they've been out there so long that they they can't help but destroy their chances even if they don't if the the you know they just get kicked out of alexandria like i I would like that actually i think there's a notion that there is a safe place but they kicked us out because we were being assholes um and with the scene we get with carol that like that's really what um what stood out to me i i think the the, the like Daryl, I think, is a great choice to be one of their recruiters because, like, you, like we've talked about, and like Aaron says, he recognizes um, the, the quality of people that he sees and the, of people around him, and uh, so I think that that he would value um, Alexandria and and adjust to it. You know, especially if he can be a recruiter and have his own space, I think he would adjust to it very well. I think Michonne obviously would as well. Um, whether Rick is able to 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 let himself be part of the community and not end up taking control or not end up kind of ruining it, to me is going to come down to whether he can how how he thinks he can best help his family his 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 children um but i don't know if carol can just <laughs> okay so we're gonna have to talk about carol holy shit that was like one of the best scenes ever in any walking dead episode one morning you're gonna wake up and you're not gonna be in your bed you'll be outside the wall far far away tied to a tree i'm like holy shit carol and she what? means it she means it she's not messing around yeah holy crap and like yeah. like she has this like covert step wife routine going on she's pretending that she's the kind of woman who who doesn't doesn't feel comfortable being around guns yet she can clearly handle a gun fire a gun hold a gun she knows more about guns and maybe like everyone at alexandria um but that was messed up because i mean this is carol who we've seen come a long way since season one carol who's also carol of carol and sophia yeah carol who you know killed two little girls and now here she is telling this kid, Sam, this poor little kid, Sam. And like, okay, here's the thing, right? It's a suit. Like, I work with kids. <laughs> and so these are the kind of things that pop up in conversation quite often at school because, you know, there's always teaching kids about, like, strangers and danger, right? And as soon as she tells the kid, she's like, you know, this will be our secret. Don't tell anybody. I'm like, Carol, like, you're – you were a mom. I guess you are a mom technically still. And, um, you know, you, you clearly know how to deal with kids. I was like, that was weird that you are telling a kid, like, no, adults don't tell kids to tell, to keep secrets and kids should know that there's something wrong if an adult tells you to keep a secret. 
So the fact that she was sane to this kid, like that, like right away, her immediate reaction was like, let's keep it a secret. That little part of it rang false for me because she is a mom. You know, she had a child and she sort of like adopted um, Mika and Lizzie later on. Right. And that was a one thing that rang false for me. But when she actually threatens like Sam, when she tells Sam, like if he like squeals that she is basically going to kill him or leave him, leave him for dead and have the walkers eat him and tear him apart. That I totally believed. I was like, this woman is insane. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, holy shit. You do not want to mess with Carol. And like, I don't know what to think about it. Like, I don't know how to feel like, like, I mean, a part of me thinks that this is not a, the, the sort of character that I should root for from now on, because like who, who the hell does this? You know what I mean? But a part of me is like, well, that's Carol. You know, Carol's like a badass and she makes a show more fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like she's like the anti-hero of the show, I think. Not well, even Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes is just a complete psychological mess. Well, when you were talking about the governor, that's something the governor would have said. Yeah. Threatening a child so easily, that is that is the most governor-like exchange that we've had since he was on the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's why last week when we were talking about this, that's why I thought it would be interesting if rick and carol and maybe a few more members of the group actually screwed up and it's this time it's the fault of them and not the people who they meet along the way because we've already seen it at terminus we've seen it at woodbury we've seen it at herschel's farm so at least it would be a change and so that's why going into alexandria i was like pretty confident in assuming that it's going to be someone within the group that's really going to fuck up you know and it's already almost happened i mean we still do not know if he's going to squeal or not i mean he still might end up telling someone that hey i saw this lady sneak into the i don't know what it was the kitchen or whatever and etc cetera, etc cetera. you know what i mean like he might squeal they might not believe him they might believe him it might be like this big huge like court case who the hell knows um, but there's a lot of interesting questions that this episode leaves uh, leaves hanging. And I mean, for example, the the W right now, here's the thing about The Walking Dead is, first of all, there was like the whole A thing way back when they first arrived at Terminus. And everyone was like, well, what, what's the A stand for? Remember at the end of the episode? And that's how they, they sort of like get Rick and everyone else into the um, train car. Exactly. The train car. And that's how they 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 captured them. But then there was also, correct me if I'm wrong, there was also an ex that I think Morgan was following. Mm-hmm. There was right? like, like a symbol or, yeah. Yeah, that was at the beginning of uh, of season five, right? Yeah. Okay. But then we had the W, which I think we saw in the episode in which Tyrese dies. And so that W, um, I think, first appeared in that episode, and that was the very same episode in which there was a reference to wolves. I think it, we saw graffiti on the wall. It said, it said wolves not far away. But then in this episode, they view something really interesting because there's all these like conspiracy theories or theories going around the internet right now about what the W stands for. And I don't think it's a W because in this episode, the camera tilts and it tilts and it's no longer a W. When we get the close-up, it's actually an M. So I think it's actually Morgan. I think it's M for Morgan. I could be wrong. Huh. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read the comic book, but a lot of people think the if it's a W, the W could mean it's one specific character who's going to appear earlier than expected. He's like, of course, you know, not this, I don't think this is a spoiler, but he's, of course, going to be like the next baddie, the next villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people think it's going to be a, a third group of people, like a third party. 
And then some people think it's just Morgan. And some people think it's going to be, they're going to be taking two different stories and mixing them. Uh, but I really think it's just Morgan. Like we said last week, we have to see Morgan before the season ends. So for me, it makes sense that it's Morgan. Well, and there's only, there's only three episodes left this season. So that's going to have to happen, you know, coming up here. Uh, it could be. Um, he, when we last saw him, that was a while ago, as I recall, he was, we were seeing his scenes intercut, like in the same, we saw him passing through areas that the group was passing through, but there were yeah. indicators that it was quite a bit later, like the blood that was fresh, you know, in a, in an area with Rick's group was dried and aged looking with Morgan. So we don't know how far, if he's tracking them, we don't know how far he is from them. Um, we don't know quite what that timeline is, but, um, yeah, it, it could be, it could be Morgan. Uh, it could easily just be any number of other situations. When we, when we saw Morgan, he seemed like he was stable. He seemed like he was like not randomly carving his initial into Walker's heads and leaving them there. Well, um, it's 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 not even just carving the initial W into a walker's head. It's more like in the last location, there was a bunch of walkers who had their arms and legs chopped off. Yeah, and that's when we saw the graffiti like uh, wolves nearby or whatever it was they said. So I mean, some people might understand me, some people won't. Uh, it's either the whispers, it's Megan, it's Morgan, or it's actual wolves. <laughs> it's <laughs> actual wolves. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, but I'm, st I'm still confused about the X because apart from the W and or M, there was the X mark that Morgan was following, which is uh, kind of confusing me at the moment. Yeah. I just really hope that that pays off. Otherwise, that's going to be really frustrating at the end of the season because it was such an exciting tease at the start of the season. They've already bungled it quite a bit by introducing that and not following through in the first six months of the, you know, the first half of the season. Um, so... I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they give us an episode in which it follows Morgan, maybe not the entirety of the episode, but like a good chunk of like, say, the next episode or the episode after. And you get to see Morgan like in its flashback. So in the background, you might see Rick Grimes, Michonne, Carol, Daryl, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to see what Morgan was doing at the moment Tyrese died or what Morgan was doing at the moment. So and so happened type thing like. I wouldn't be surprised if they have some kind of flashbacks to explain where, where Morgan has been and what he's been doing since. But um, we don't know yet. I mean, clearly, I think Morgan's going to be an important character. I mean, there's, there, you know, if you're going to bring back a character who was introduced in the pilots and then we haven't seen him for like three or four seasons and you're going to bring him back, he's going to play a major part in the narrative going moving forward, especially like season six, I think. Yeah, I would really hope so, at least. Um, well, again, that's a wait-and-see situation. How about um, Abraham? You're just getting drunk. <laughs> um, what else are you going to do with Abraham at this point? I don't really know what to say about Abraham, Eugene, or Tara. I don't even remember seeing Eugene in this episode. Maybe in the background. I don't think he had any lines of dialogue, which is kind of a shame. Um, because he is Eugene. He is the smartest guy in the group, right? Tara is just... I, what are they doing with Tara? Like, seriously? Well, she is not really in this. I mean, we see Rosita. She comes with, uh, uh, she comes to the party with Abraham. Mm -hmm. but I, I just enjoyed the, the, his wariness. And then he's like, oh, they have beer. Yeah. I could really use a beer. <laughs> I mean, 
I, I seeing the characters deal with the plenty of um of Alexandria is is I think a, a nice beat. And so getting a, we get a comedic moment for, of that with with uh, um, Abraham, and we get a dramatic moment with Sasha. Her inability to just process that is you're worried that I'm not gonna like the food you make for me enough. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I, th- I thought those two played off, like the the two sides of that coin worked well. I, I just don't know how I feel about those four characters, like Tara, Eugene, Abraham, and uh, Rosita at this at this point in time, because they're not really giving those characters anything to do. And I mean, I, I guess it was fun to see Abraham drink some beer and get a little tipsy, but I think they need to still find ways to sort of like share the screen time and do something with these characters, especially these characters, because they haven't really done much with these characters since we found out that Eugene was a fraud. You know what I mean? And so that's what's kind of disappointing because I really do think that Eugene and Abraham are interesting characters and, and great actors. I can't really say the same for Tara or Rosita, but I don't think that has, I, I don't think I can fault the actress. It's more to do with what the writers are doing with those specific characters, but they got to do more with those characters because right now they are basically the new T-Bones, right? Um, but Sasha's scenes were really good in this episode. I, I liked her performance. I liked the way she delivered that that line in which she just completely yells at the port lady because she's just upset that she has better better things to worry about. I think the group, and you know, Carl said this like last week, I think they're just, they're scared that they're going to, you know, get weak. They're going to... They're going to let their guard down and uh, it's going to bite them in the ass. And you can't really blame them because, I mean, when they first walked walked into like Herschel's farm, they were very optimistic. They weren't they weren't as psychologically damaged as when they walked into like Terminus, for example. Um, but now it's like a whole it's a whole new ballgame. I mean, these people have gone through hell. It's like it's no different than when Abraham first met them or when Gabriel first meets them, because, you know, imagine if Abraham met like four different or, or stumbled upon four different communities and met like four different groups of people and all of them ended up like trying to kill him <laughs> in some for, some way uh, that never actually happened to anybody but Rick Grimes and whoever's been there since season one you know what I mean so um yeah I, anyway, I, I'm I'm pretty sure we're gonna have a love interest uh, uh, some kind of weird odd love triangle between Rick Jesse and her husband or maybe not a love triangle but I think clearly Jesse and Rick are attracted to each other like you can Sorry. You can tell by the way they locked eyes after the kiss on the cheek because a kiss on the cheek is usually somewhat innocent, but it's the way they acted after the kiss that leads me to believe that, you know, Rick Grimes is definitely going to have a thing. Well, clearly has a thing for Jesse. Um, so because they're introducing this love interest for Rick Grimes, I think that means that it's a safe bet that they're going to be at Alexandria for like a good while. Well, it's the thing that you say love interest. I don't know that he's. Uh, getting a love interest so much as she's pretty and it's been a long time. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just trying to simplify things by saying love interest. But yeah, that's <laughs> I mean... what I mean. Cause like, yes, they're clear. Clearly they're, that is one hell of a loaded moment, but, um, and that could easily lead to drama within Alexandria and make complications for them. But he does not seem at all interested in her as a person. I, I disagree. I think um, I think there's chemistry between those two, and I see it with it with with the actors as well. Like, I mean, either they're doing a really good job, and or just chemistry between those actors in real life. I, I really, 
I don't think he just sees her as a pretty girl. I think there's chemistry. I mean, there's lots of pretty women on the show, you know. And there, mm-hmm. I mean, him and him and Michonne have had some kind of like chemistry since day one, but they've never really connected, you know. And here it's like, bam! It's like instant. I mean, I don't know. I I I, I disagree. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He he likes her, but as for like a, I I just don't see her as Lori two point I guess I don't see this as a it's us against the world situation. I feel like if something came up and it was, oh, am I going to go help out Jesse or, you know, you know, and take an extra like couple minutes to go help Jesse or am I just going to get my family out of here? He's immediately just going to leave her behind. What I found interesting about this episode is last week, her husband wouldn't get off the porch and they actually come and greet. Uh, Rick Grimes like he wouldn't even introduce himself he just kind of like he just kind of sat on the porch in the dark smoked a cigarette and that was that and in this episode he walks up to Rick Grimes and he's very polite he introduces himself he's a doctor you know and I was like whoa is this the same guy we saw last week on the porch it is the same guy right yes I believe it is um that I guess that that uh beat does feel um does feel appropriate uh as as if if the beat with her and her husband that yes why wouldn't there be marital problems in the uh, post apocalyptic world it's you know there's still going to be situations going on but um it was you know i guess i don't know i just i'm not very excited about that being the source of conflict you know um yeah. i guess well, yeah and that's the thing like what is a source of conflict especially if it would possibly be Rick and Carol maybe messing up and not necessarily the, 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 the members of this community uh, of Alexandria. Like, what is the source of conflict? That's why a lot of people think that we might actually get a third party, you know? Because there's always a possibility, like I said, something could go wrong, like a Walton collapse and the walkers somehow get in or what have you. But I just kind of feel like The Walking Dead is past the, the walkers or the enemy kind of like storyline. Like, now it's all about people. And so walkers are sort of in the background and they provide a lot of fun with the, you know, for the, the special effects and makeup guys. But I just don't see the show sort of making the walkers the danger, like the primary danger anymore. So there's got to be some source of conflict coming from somewhere. And I agree that if it's, you know, some jealous husband named Pete who's pissed off because Rick Grimes is hitting on his wife, that's not necessarily interesting. But I don't think it's necessarily the sons because, like I discussed last week, I don't think Aiden's actually a bad guy. I just think he's a hothead. He's young. He's making stupid mistakes. We get introduced to her older son this week, and he seems very charming. I don't know. Just like just something about him that rang false. Like, he's the kind of guy who I don't trust. Like, he seems to be, like, um, well, he seems to be acting. You know, he's mm-hmm. acting a role. He's acting a part, but that's not who he truly is. So out of the two sons, he would be the one who I wouldn't trust. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's Spencer, yeah. Well, we're gonna have to, you know, I, I'm, the, I, I really like and I would trust Deanna. I am much less sold on the rest of the Monroes, um, but I do look forward to seeing those characters explored, which is more than I can say for most of the um, ancillary kind of characters that they've brought in at various points on the show. Um, uh. So I was. A little interested in Herschel. I was very interested in Maggie when they introduced them, but not anyone else there at the farm. Don't care about any of the termites. Don't care about uh, any of the governor's people. I guess at Milton, but just that. But, so, but I'm, I'm actively interested in um, 
a lot of the people that are in Alexandria. So I think they're clearly doing quite a few things right here that maybe, at least for me, they haven't in the past in the same way. Who interests you in Alexandria? I'm interested in the Monroes, uh, okay. all of them for the most part. Like like the with Aiden and Spencer, I think that um, the two sons. I look forward to seeing if they're going to develop them or just go the predictable route. And right now, I, it's nice that I feel like I can give the writers the benefit of the doubt that they're going to do something more interesting with Aiden than what we saw last week. Um, I I enjoy Jesse. I'm not very interested in the the marital conflict between her and her husband, but I like uh, but I like her. I think she, like you said, she's got great chemistry with Rick. I like the kids that we've seen. Um, I like uh, our uh, uh, was it Enid from the actress from Too Many Cooks. You know, like, yeah, like I like a lot of these kind of characters. I care about Sam now after that one hell of a speech from Carol. I'm invested in Sam, so yeah. Uh, I really, really, really like Aaron's character. I do not give a shit about Eric. Mm. <laughs> no yeah. offense. But I think Aaron's one hell of an interesting character. I think Deanna is an amazing character. And I'm actually quite interested in Deanna's husband as well. And I think I think you're right. Like I think it's going to be hard to guess who's going to do something bad towards Rick and company because I really think they're, they're going to surprise us with this group of people. Um, at this point in time, the only person I would be worried about is one of those two teenage boys for some reason. Mm-hmm. But like with everyone else, I think it could go either way, including Pete. I mean, just because we had that first scene last week in which he's sitting on the porch smoking a cigarette, maybe he just had a bad day. Maybe he's not actually a bad guy. Maybe they're not actually having marital problems. Like maybe she has an interest in Rick Grimes. Okay, fine. But we're just assuming they have a bad, bad marriage. We don't know anything about these people. Well, based on their interaction at the party, there's clearly some stress in there. There's some stressors in that relationship. But that doesn't mean that he's going to take it out on Rick. It's not Rick's fault. Well, what is the name of the lady who sort of becomes buddy-buddy with Carol and teaches her, like, where to find supplies and and things she needs to, like, cook meals and, and so on and so forth? What is her name? I am not sure, but glancing at the list of characters, I'm seeing in Olivia. Is it Olivia? Right. Okay. I like her character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I really do. Like, I think we need characters like this on the show because, I don't know, she was just a bundle of joy. She's completely different than the rest of the group. Um, she's naive and she's innocent to some degree. And, you know, she she probably couldn't kill a walker. But, I don't know, she's sort of like, um, she's what Beth was when she was the babysitter. She's what Carol was when she was washing laundry, which means she has the potential to 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 become someone else and watching that development of a character, like watching someone grow and turn into some, someone completely different. I find interesting as opposed to watching Rick Grimes do the same beat over and over season after season. Well, and I also, I'm, I also hope that what we're going to see with that, that relationship with her and Carol, Carol immediately interacts with her and puts her into a category in her brain. It's like, this is person is not a threat. This person is not interesting. Yeah. Uh, And she dismisses her as even something, someone to be considered. And so I am hoping that Carol's going to learn to regret that choice. I I am hoping that we're going to see the strengths in all of these members of the community. They're there for a reason. Deanna talks about the 
or I guess Aaron was talking about when they, when he was trying to get them to come to Alexandria, the most important resource being people. And so everybody who's there can contribute in some way and has something to offer. So I'm hoping that we're going to get to see somebody like Olivia, who is immediately dismissed by Carol, prove her mettle in a way that is not related to uh, survival or violence, but is still just as valuable, just as valued, I should say. Okay, so we have a few things that we know we can look forward to. For example, we know we can look forward to Daryl riding a motorcycle again, which I think is awesome. <laughs> uh, we can look forward to Daryl having sort of like a buddy-buddy relationship, uh, sort of, I mean, when I say relationship, I just mean like a friendship here with Aaron and ha and maybe potentially an episode in which we see these two guys on the road looking for recruits. Like, I just think, you know, they've already proven that they make an interesting dynamic duo, like right away, like with, like, like with this one episode, um, I'm really, really hoping they build on Carl's character. And I think they have the chance to do so now that they've introduced teenagers, which really excites me. Cause I think he's like, I was talking about this again, like, I think it was like yesterday uh, with, with, with my friends. And I was like, I think Carl's like one of the most important characters in the show. Uh, even if some people don't realize it or not, because he's he's what he's what's keeping Rick Grimes moving forward. He's his motivation. He's you know take away Carl. If Carl dies, what would happen to Rick? I and mean, if Rick falls apart completely, what happens to the rest of the group? Like you know, like him or not, he's sort of holding everyone together. He's like the glue, right? And he's doing it mostly for Carl and Judith. But yeah, so I just I don't know Carl. To me, I think they got to do more with his character. Yeah, I'd like to see more Carl. Um, it was nice to see Maggie get a line this week. It would be nicer if I, you know, got to enjoy that character again. It's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, I would like to see the and and obviously she's been through so much. She's lost her entire family. Of course, she's not the chipper, confident, uh, comparatively happy person that we first met. Um, but I do kind of miss the the woman who rode in on the horse. You know. Um, so it'd be nice to see at least them to make Maggie a more active character again. Who do you think would die first in the show? Glenn or Maggie? Because if you take away Glenn, what, is ha what does Maggie have left? If you take away Maggie, is Glenn still interesting? Oh, who do you think the show would write off? Or do, who do you, do I yeah. think? Oh, um, right now, uh, Maggie is more disposable. Because, yeah. like, they don't know what to do with her now that she no longer has a sister um, and a father. She does. She has been, both her and Glenn have been very much defined by their relationship and very little else. But Glenn still does have the, he's sneaky and he's tough and he's um, sort of the counterpoint to this argument, Deanna's argument that who you were before matters. Because he was, wasn't he like a pizza delivery guy or something? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, who you were before does matter very much, but it's all who you have become is just as important. Um, so right now I think that she's the more disposable. I wish that weren't the case. I wish they were given her enough to do. But what's important to keep in mind is they, that group, Rick's group has 14 people. You can't have 14 main characters on a show and have it be something other than an anthology or, a, or, or just a you know, changing cast kind of 
series. And if they went back to being more of an anthology series, like they have been at various points in the run where every week we're spending time with different characters, then, then you can actually service the characters. But when you are trying to really focus in on, on how a, a few people are handling this transition, you are by necessity going to leave 10 of your 14 people uh, without much to do. Right. And it's also because a, you know, a good chunk of the screen time is devoted to like action sequences, which I think the show sort of needs, you know, that's the kind of show it is. So if you take away, you know, take for instance, this episode, you get Daryl and Aaron uh, walking out into the woods, chasing and killing zombies for what a good 15 minutes, 20 minutes of screen time. You know, because that's what we expect when we watch The Walking Dead. You got to have at least some zombie kills and some sort of action. You can't just have a bunch of people at a party talking because then you're watching Dynasty. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's like they have a tough job, you know, and, and you're right. 14 characters is a lot of people to juggle. And it's way different when you're reading the comic book, um, which gets released. Well, I mean, it only gets released once every every month or so. But um, I don't know. It's just like the rule is that. For every page, it's one minute of screen time, right? Usually. So they're actually kind of rushing through the comic book series right now. Like, they're a lot farther than I thought they would have been at this point in time. Like, even though we're, like, five seasons in, I kind of feel like they've actually rushed a few storylines. And so I don't think they can actually afford to rush the Alexandria storyline at this point in time. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to lot yet to come. But uh, do we have any final thoughts on this episode of The Walking Dead or what, what we hope to see next week? Now, I, I do not watch the, uh, what do you call it, the sneak peeks at the next week's episode type thing, like the trailers. So I have no idea what they're going to do. I've been saying this for the past three weeks. I have no idea how they are going to end season five because I'm assuming they're going to want to end with a bang, but they just arrived at, at Alexandria. So what could possibly go wrong? See, the only thing I'm thinking is that if there is some sort of like big action set piece, which I think they might do next week because this at this episode focuses entirely on like a uh, you know a house party <laughs> mm-hmm. and a very chill house party, um, I think the action is going to take place outside of the walls, which is very possible. It could be like an episode in which like Daryl and and Aaron head out and they look for recruits and or maybe we find out what happened to the missing gun that was hidden in the blender and or. Or something, but I think there's going to clearly there's got to be action. But I think the action is going to take place outside of the walls. I don't think they can actually have anything bad happen to the community of Alexandria just yet. I think it's a little too early. Okay, yeah, that could certainly happen. We could get um, in the next episode or two. I'm sure we'll get more information about this W thing as well as more ominous, foreboding uh, glimpses of things we don't quite understand yet. Um, and I guess what I'm hoping for is to get. I, I to get a couple other characters explored. Like I would love to spend an episode with Maggie and maybe Glenn, but like Tara and Eugene. Like we we haven't seen Eugene really since Alexandria. We haven't. We've, he's been in the background of scenes, but I don't even know if he's spoken. How is this working for him? Is he just like please just punch? Or is he skeptical, or how does he feel about all this? Like, see, I would I, love to get a character, an episode like that. I think it's a problem that can be easily solved, because you do one episode in which you get to see Carl 
hang out with these teenagers and, you know, something happens, but at least we get to see him interact with the teenagers some more. We get to know more about who these kids are. You take Eugene, put Eugene in a room with um, Deanna's husband, you know, and then, I mean, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. They can clearly find new ways to build things. For example, that would make an interesting scene. Like the thing about the walking dead is like, although I do appreciate the scene this week in which Daryl and Aaron do bond, they still felt the need to force in like 20 zombie kills because it's the walking dead. And they kind of like feel that people expect to see zombies die, you know, while watching the show. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong for saying this because it does have like 15 million viewers per week live, but I kind of feel like they just don't still don't have the confidence to do one single episode without one zombie kill. That would be nice. Yeah. I I don't know if they would, like you say, um, but yeah, it, it feels like that's not, that's not necessarily the show right now. This is a show that has morphed into several different versions of itself over the course of the series. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, that's not the show it is. So, um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, this is an episode where I just keep saying, a podcast episode where I just keep saying we'll see. But that's that's really all I have. The last thing I want to mention is that, because uh, I haven't talked about it, but I really like the editing of the, the scene with, with Sasha at the party where she just keeps thinking back to their their dinner in the church and their party and that was the last time that she was happy with her brother um i thought i thought that was very effective that just the the direction and the performance from sneakwood martin green as sasha but also the editing and the way that was all that was put together it was very yeah that whole sequence reminded me of a david lynch sequence from like twin peaks or one of his like odd movies it was just really well executed i totally agree with the editing the sound effects once again the score um, I mean, the show, if anything, you can't ever complain about the production values. It's always solid week after week. So I tip my hat out to the people who make the show. And there's a lot of people to help in getting the show made each and every single week. <laughs> hundreds, yeah. hundreds yep. of people. Yep. Well, that ra- will wrap up our conversation. So, Ricky, where can our listeners find uh, you online? And what's what's going on at Sound On Site this week? Uh, you can find us over at soundsite.org. Uh, keep in mind, we're always looking for some talented writers to help us cover the many, many TV shows each and every single week because there's just way too much. We're also looking for, of course, contributors to the game section. We're actually looking for an official correspondent to work with Microsoft uh, and dealing with Xbox One releases. Uh, so if you're interested in contributing to the website, send me an email, admin at soundonsite.org. All the info is over at soundonsite.org. And you can follow me at tw- on Twitter at soundonsite, Facebook, Tumblr, everything is soundonsite. This week in the TV section, it's why you should be watching week. So there's ar- there's an article going up each day this week about a different show that some of our writers uh, feel like you that you as in the g- general you should be watching and aren't. So I, I would recommend that for for listeners looking for some suggestions. Also, of course, you can find me on uh, Twitter at the Televerse. The Televerse is the TV podcast I put out with uh, a co-host with Simon Howell uh, over at Sound on Sight. It goes out every every Tuesday, late Tuesday, early Wednesday. And uh, we uh, cover the rest of, of TV. But that will wrap up our conversation about Season 5, Episode 13, Forget. Next week, we're going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 14. I do not have the writer in front of me, but it's directed uh, by Jennifer Lynch. Um, any thoughts? Here's what I got to freak out. I just found out that she was directing this episode about a minute ago. And I just mentioned David Lynch like about five minutes ago. And here his daughter, Jennifer Lynch, is directing an episode of The Walking Dead. That is insane. 
Okay, Jennifer Lynch, for anyone who's not familiar with her as a director, she's made some really interesting movies, not necessarily good movies. Her last movie, Hiss, never got released. It was like the weirdest thing. Just check out her trailers on YouTube. She also did a, a movie called Surveillance, which our former co-host Simon Howell really loved. I did not like that movie. Needless to say, I'm a fan of her dad's work, not her work. So I want to see what she can do on an episode of The Walking Dead. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have plenty to say next week. But until then, uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Found Outside Walking Dead podcast. Where is the sun that shone on my head? The sun in my life. It is dead, it is dead Where is the light that would play in my streets And where are the friends I could meet, I could meet The space and the space of the girls of my mind. Where is the sun that shone on my head? The sun in my life, it is dead, it is dead. The sticks and the spades of the girls on my mind. Where are the girls I live far behind? The sticks and the spades of the girls on my mind. Where is the girl I love? The girl that I love, she is gone, she is gone. All of my life, I the spits and the spits of my life gone away.